Welcome to episode two. I'm Joe. I'm Sarah. And this is the Full of It podcast. Well, what are we talking about today, Sarah? We are talking about something that's been around for a long time and we see rebranded in a few different ways, but right now is going around TikTok as Lucky Lucky Girl Syndrome. (laughs) And what could that possibly be? Lucky Girl Syndrome is believing that everything is working out in your favor. All of the time. All of the time. Yeah. You have the belief that the universe is always conspiring towards you or things are always happening for you unexpectedly Mm -hmm. to progress your life forward. Yeah. This is also something that is mentioned in the movie The Secret. Mm -hmm. It's something that you do by affirmations and by uh, manifestation. And has also just been a concept reintegrated into cultures for the past, I don't know, a couple hundred thousand years? Yeah, maybe not hundred thousand, but definitely a couple thousand years. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, it's coming back. And so we decided that maybe it's time to talk about it since I think that there's maybe, don't get me wrong, love affirmations, love manifestation. If you just scoffed at all of that, I get you, honey. We're going to talk about it. <laughs> but I think that there's some something that maybe we could like add our little zest to this conversation. Well, I mean, if so many people are talking about it, then there must be something to it, right? Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, like the masses always get caught on an idea. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, yes, this is the flavor of the month. This is what we're going to do. Then just goes away. Right. Because everyone forgets about it. But I understand where the anti-argument is coming from because a lot of people try to manifest in their own life. They try affirmations and it doesn't work out for them. But they're missing a couple things and oftentimes they're all trying these tactics when they're in their rut and trying Mm -hmm. to get out of it. There's a few key things that people are and aren't doing that really make the difference on are you getting out of the rut, are you living by lucky girl syndrome, or are you keeping yourself in there and making it worse for yourself? Fair. Well, maybe we should start at the beginning. What's the rut? The rut, (laughs) everyone has been in at least one rut in their life, and they probably will experience a few more throughout their lives. Mm -hmm. But the rut is the feeling... The rut But the rut is a perceived state of stagnation in any part of your life, whether it be job, romance, family, you know, any other activity that you're doing. Fair. Have you ever experienced a rut that you would like to share? Probably more than we have time to talk about on air. Fair. But I was in a rut that I think a lot of us fell into and I I think is important to talk about. Uh, When the pandemic hit, I was just finishing off college. I had one more quarter left of classes, and as soon as the quarant as soon as as we went into quarantine, I had a feeling that quarantine wouldn't last for the two weeks that it was saying. Only had one quarter left of college, so I made the decision to move back in with my parents. Mm -hmm. And I had a whole idea, a whole fantasy of how that would go, and things turned out a little bit differently. I moved downstairs in order to put more separation between me and my parents instead in the of house, moving right? yeah in the house instead of moving back into my childhood room and pretty soon after I did we had a water pipe leak oh okay yeah black mold grew we had to demolish our entire kitchen and basically so how did that affect you in the, the part of the house, yeah, that I was living in. So I now had to move upstairs into closer quarters with my parents. 
I also had just finished graduating and was applying for jobs when everyone else was applying for jobs and it was a very tough time to find something that you enjoyed and that you wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And somehow I ended up getting into starting my own financial planning practice with a firm that's been around for a century and a half. Mm-hmm. But if anyone has started their own business, you know it takes a while for that to really become fruitful for you. Mm-hmm. And so I started this new career and I found that I was having a harder time than my colleagues who came from the business industry and maybe had an easier time for the public to had an easier time transitioning into the career and for people to get used to them in that role. Mm-hmm. I had no background in finance. There wasn't any reason why I should have gone to that job. And a lot of people questioned me and my truth in being in that role. While at the same time... Yeah, and you also have to think about the people that you were calling to offer your services Mm -hmm. to were people who didn't necessarily Most recently saw me taking tequila shots on a table and weren't really serious about it. Yeah, and thought that you were like advertising them some scam. I get it. But... New career, I faced a lot of rejection. I was in my parents' house and things were strained. My parents were stressed trying to figure out how to fix the house when everyone was remodeling their house during COVID and, you know, shipping containers weren't being let into the U.S. And suddenly Mm -hmm. it was taking, you know, twice as long to to do any remodel you were thinking of doing. It was a very stressful time. And I found myself spending a lot of time at the office to get away from the craziness that was happening at home. And I wasn't finding my footing. It took a long time to find my footing in the career, but for a while I became very depressed. I felt like I wasn't expressing myself the way I want to. I was trying to fit into this image that I thought I needed to be, but didn't necessarily feel truly like me. I felt trapped at home, you know, it seemed like I didn't have many resources, and so I became, I began the negative thought spiral that happens. You start overthinking, you start getting hard on yourself, you feel like everything is happening to you, you're not making any choices for yourself in your life, and about a year, a little over a year ago, I decided that I needed to change that. I saw that my biggest challenge was myself. I was placing the most limitations on myself. And it wasn't until I started rewiring my thinking and feeling like I was free in the circumstances that I was in, Mm -hmm. that I had resources, that I had choice in this. It just seemed to fall in my lap that your boyfriend was going on tour for three months and you asked me to move in with you. Mm -hmm. Just taking that one step forward, moving in with you, gave me enough space and gave me enough confidence in myself to think about, okay, well, what's my next move? Mm -hmm. I ended up finding the place I'm at now, two-bedroom house, beautiful backyard. I absolutely love it. And just taking that one step forward opened up enough space in my brain and enough room in my life for me to think about what comes next. Mm -hmm. And then when the end of our living together came about, suddenly I had another really great option of where to go next. Mm -hmm. 
So I moved into a three bedroom, two bathroom house in location. You're not getting me today, stalkers. <laughs> <laughs> so you just moved into a three bedroom, two bathroom house. Mm-hmm. And I've been here for what, about seven, eight months and I absolutely love it. So the whole point of that story is to say that when you're in the rut, the same thinking isn't going to change things for you. No. You have to start putting yourself into a different perspective. Yeah. Shout out episode one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> in order to change your circumstances. Yes. And that's where affirmations and motivation, or sorry, not motivation. That's where affirmations and manifestation create the building blocks in this process. Mm-hmm. So, because you shared a rut, I'm going to share my rut. What's your rut, Joe? Well, the biggest rut that I have had to face in my adult life is actually similar timing, Mm -hmm. but when I got out of college, I took the first job that I was offered. Makes sense. And I didn't have any other offers, so I just took it, and it seemed like a really advantageous job. I was working for a CEO as an executive assistant. Mm -hmm. He had five different companies that he was the CEO for, and this seemed like a good way to learn how to become an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. Even though it wasn't my dream job, Mm -hmm. was going to be a worthwhile experience no matter what. Mm -hmm. What I was not giving attention to was that I had no interest in any job related to the degree that I had. Mm -hmm. uh, Because the degree that I got was purely because my parents thought that that was a smart degree to get Mm -hmm. and told me that I could not get a degree in anything other than a science or math field. I did what I had to do in that situation, but I had inklings of wanting to be in a different industry throughout that entire time that I was in college. So after college, I decided to just apply and what, you know, everyone's favorite job finding site told me that I could apply to was... Indeed, yeah, absolutely. Not advertised. Nope, not uh, sponsored at all. But it found me this job as the executive assistant to a CEO of a venture capital capital mm, as an executive assistant to the CEO of a venture capitalist firm. Mm-hmm. This entire time, I had found passion for going to festivals and really wanted to find a job in that because I was very inspired by the entire scene. But I chose a job in finance for some strange reason. And while I was at that job, I did learn some valuable skills, but the entire time, I knew that I wanted something different. About two weeks in, I probably could have told you that I wasn't going to stay long at this job. (laughs) But the CEO convinced me that I had to stay in the job for two years in order to find a job anywhere else. You know, around the two-week mark, I was feeling a little strained. Mm -hmm. Around the six-month mark, I was really at my wit's end and stressed out of my mind and feeling like I had no choice but to stay here. And it wasn't till one fateful day when my boss asked me to drive him to the airport and he asked me how I felt about the job. And I said, you know, I really don't think that I can do this anymore. And he asked me why. And I said, because... When I think about the trajectory that you're offering me, it doesn't inspire me. Mm. And all I can think about is wanting to get into production. And what I mean by production is event production. Mm -hmm. He said, how are you going to do that? For a brief moment, I actually ended up trying to be a tattoo artist because he had contacts (laughs) with a tattoo artist, which was just hilarious in its own right. And I had wanted to get into event production since I started going to festivals right before senior year. Of college. But segue aside from that weird dalliance and tattooing. 
there was definitely a moment where I knew that this person was not going to help me get to where I wanted to be. And where I wanted to be was somewhere that I had no idea where to get to. And so I didn't take that in stride. I guess me dalliancing in tattoo artistry was me having a little bit of um, doubt that I could get into production. Mm -hmm. Because at least I knew how to draw. Which my drawing was actually going to help me in production, but that's a different story. (laughs) What I started doing while I was in transition from that job, that venture capitalist job, was I started visualizing myself being in the job that I wanted to be in. And for a while, I, I thought it was lighting. And sometimes the universe intervenes and mm-hmm. takes you different paths. Because now I, I ended up in visuals. And what I mean by visuals is anything that's on a big LED wall, that's me. But I started thinking about what it was going to be like to be in that position. Mm-hmm. And thinking about the actions that I could take now to be in that position. And one of the things that I had to do to bolster myself, because I was terrified, mm-hmm. was saying, I can do this. Mm-hmm. I can do this. I can get into production. I can thrive here. I can do what I want to do. Having blind faith in yourself. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. And so when I started saying that I can do this, I can find my way here, I started looking at life like, Everything that I was doing was an opportunity to get closer to where I wanted to be. Mm-hmm. Which led me to going to underground shows in Los Angeles and introducing myself to every production crew that I could possibly meet. And eventually, one of them said, do you know anything about production? And I said, no, but I want to. And he said, okay, I'm willing to train you. And I committed to that. Mm-hmm. And so what I think is important is I took myself through the building blocks of I can do this, I want to do this, I can do it. And so in that is affirmation, and in that is manifestation, and that is the law of attraction. And that's super hard to do. Yeah. When you're in the rut, you're acting from a place of fear. Yeah. Right? Because you are panicking that things aren't happening happening the way you want them to. Mm-hmm. You are feeling desperate. You are feeling anxious and you're getting stuck in a thought loop of negativity. But if you can find small ways to shift yourself into that faith in the universe, faith in God, whatever you believe, believe in, <laughs> that everything is happening for me, everything is working out exactly how it's supposed to, It almost takes a little bit of that pressure off of yourself and gives you a little bit more freedom to play. Yeah, because what if? What if you could actually do it? What if things turn out better than you expected? Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Why not? And, like, what, like, does it actually help you to believe that the world is against you? Never? No. (laughs) No. No. So why not? Why not just, why not believe that the universe is in your favor? Mm Mm-hmm. And why not believe that you can do it? And why not believe that if you could do it, you could thrive at doing it? And some of you might out there, some of you out there might say, oh, manifestation doesn't work. Affirmations don't work. Well, from a scientific perspective, let's say manifesting and affirmations aren't real. We do know a little bit about neuroscience, right? And you know a little bit about neuroscience. I I do know a little bit about neuroscience. And if you are spending time in the day showing gratitude, having appreciation, showing confidence, then you are priming your brain to experience those things more in your everyday life. Mm -hmm. 
So if I am spending time at the end of each day thinking of one thing that I'm grateful for, Mm -hmm. I get into the habit of journaling and doing that. Suddenly, my brain, when I wake up every day, is looking for that thing to be grateful for. Mm -hmm. It's finding three things to be grateful in a day. Because I've built up the habit and the muscle of my brain looking for those things. Mm -hmm. And even towards, like, anything, really. Mm -hmm. Gratitude, absolutely, will help prime your brain to see the beautiful things in your life. See the opportunities more than the failures. Yes. Yeah. But anything that you focus on... You see. Energy flows where your concentration goes, Joe. Let's see how many cliches we can fit into (laughs) this part. But it's true. Your brain is Mm -hmm. so powerful. Even to the extent... I know this is kind of like a random example. Mm -hmm. But go with me. So on the freeway today, when I was coming here, Mm -hmm. I saw this graffiti on the side of the freeway that said, Now war with Russia? Question mark. And my mind read it as now war with Russia, but it didn't say that. It said no war, N-O-W-A-R, with Russia. No war. Yes. And so the point that I'm getting at is my mind started filling in those blanks. Mm -hmm. And it's, that's the easiest example that there is to see is how our mind will fill in letters where there are not. Right. But how your mind sees things in general and your perspective and what you're focusing your mind on. Shout, shout out, out to Zeb 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 one. <laughs> <laughs> But it shapes how you view your entire life. Yes. And so that is why you need manifestation and affirmations is so that you can reshape how you see life mm-hmm. and get yourself closer to where you want to be. And if you're anything like Joe and I, we are both two females growing up in the world that we, you know, the world of social media where there are Instagram models and OnlyFans models and people half naked on the billboard going down the street. Everyone telling us what a woman should look like. Yeah, it can be very difficult growing up and figuring out how, you know, feeling comfortable with how you look versus how you think you're supposed to look. Mm -hmm. We have both struggled with feelings of low self-worth low self-esteem, thinking that we can't do it, we don't look good enough, if only we changed this, if only we changed that. And one of the things that really helped me, you know, start feeling confident in who I am is what Mel Robbins talks about as mirror work. Mm -hmm. Can you explain that? I can. And mirror work is where you spend a few minutes, 10-15 minutes each day, and you make eye contact with yourself in the mirror. You are spending time finding things that you like about yourself. You're telling yourself things that you like about yourself. And it feels really dumb to do Mm -hmm. it on the first day or the second day to give yourself a high five in the mirror. But after a while, you genuinely do start finding things that you think are beautiful about yourself. Or cute. Or like hilarious. Or you find qualities that you admire. I think that I'm a very funny woman. I am a very funny woman. I also (laughs) think that I have a very, that I am a very funny woman. You are. I have a great monster face. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) But whether it's mirror work, you're writing down manifestations and other types of affirmations, all of these Move the needle for yourself, right? Just kind of get you in the direction you're trying to go. Mm-hmm. And something that I would like to bring up that maybe is more specific to us, yeah. but something that really pointed out that the work was actually being implemented into our day-to-day lives mm-hmm. of 
affirmation of mirror work, of manifestation, was in college, Sarah and I were very bodily superficial people. Yeah. We saw our worth with how skinny that we were. A lot of what we would talk about and what we bonded over was actually what diet and what intolerance that we had and what we what were, we were con- eating. What, what we were eating. eating. Mm-hmm. Both of us were very like paleo enthused and really image based. (laughs) And something that showed that we were doing the work Mm -hmm. was that in episode one of this podcast, without even thinking about it, it was an afterthought when we were editing the podcast, is that we didn't even talk about body or weight one time. That's huge. Which was insane. Yeah. For us. Yeah. So when you have affirmation with inspired action, that is what creates real change in changing your perspective so that you can move forward in your life. You just said something that I think is what a lot of people struggle with. Uh Uh-huh. Because manifestation, affirmations, that's not a new concept for me. It's something that I grew up watching. It's something that my parents learned, you know, when I was very young. And we all have many ruts throughout our lives. But I found that no matter how hard I tried... To say these things and believe these things, nothing would seemingly happen. Mm -hmm. And so you said inspired action. Mm -hmm. Nothing really happens unless you have belief plus action. But you have to have both. I do have an example that I'm nervous to share with the audience. Well, if you want to share it, go ahead. I do. (laughs) (laughs) I have always, I've been a person who has struggled in relationships throughout my life. I always seemed drawn to the wrong person. I was someone who would complain about, you know, things happening to me, not for me. And this was particularly true in my romantic life. A little over a year ago, I met someone who I connected with on a level that I hadn't experienced before. And I'm a simp. I'm going to be honest. I fell hard. (laughs) (laughs) But over time, things started coming to light where I realized, you know, his words said one thing, but his actions said something completely different. He wasn't making me a priority in his life. He wasn't spending time on me, you know, spending resources to see me. And... Even though I had all these words in one ear, I had to take that action as a truth at some point. I had to value myself enough to say, it doesn't matter how good this sounds, at the end of the day, I'm not being treated how I want to be treated. Mm -hmm. And so I made the decision to walk away. And that was very hard for me. As someone who has placed relationships on a pedestal, I've always been looking for the love of my life, right? And so making that choice to walk away, that was the first time I really put my self-worth first in a relationship. I was very stressed out with work simultaneously. I had no idea what I was doing with my life, but I did know that I needed to have more fun. I needed to act my age as a workaholic. I had neglected my own needs for far too long. And one of my friends was playing a show in Vegas, invited me to come along, said, I'll introduce you to the drummer. (laughs) And I said, absolutely not to the drummer, but I do want to come to your show. I do need to have more fun. So I'll be there. I end up going to the show 
The drummer is so much hotter in person than he is in <laughs> <laughs> photos. But I met the drummer and I was so against meeting him because it didn't seem like the right timing. I was still getting over this other relationship. I was still doing this, still doing this, that. My life hadn't settled, you know? I made mm-hmm. all these excuses for myself. But I started getting into conversation with this drummer, and it turns out we had almost met, like, six or seven times. Mm-hmm. He was supposed to be playing the Roxy at the show in L.A. He was supposed to be here. He was supposed to be there. And that, combined with him treating me with more respect than any other relationship had shown me in my 25 years of dating history, made me think, okay, maybe there's something here. Mm-hmm. That... And angel numbers. We won't get into that right now. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But we start dating, and soon I'm untangling all these concepts about relationships that I had formed because here was just the nicest person I'd ever met. The nicest person who was so respectful to everyone he talked to. He was so interested and so engaged in every conversation. And nine months later, we are planning to move in together. I'm still very happily, still very happily in love and truly in one of the best, in the best relationship I've ever had in my entire life. And that's how it goes. That's how it goes. When you get rid of one thing in your life, you're just making room for something better to enter. Mm Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, she's hand gesturing at me. (laughs) (laughs) But I would have to say I have a little bit of a similar romance story. Oh, do you? I do. I know. Well, while I was at the job that didn't serve me with the boss that convinced me that I needed to stay, Mm -hmm. I was a little bit escaping my life and head over heels for this guy who was similarly not really giving me the time of day Mm -hmm. and was too scared to commit that he just would ghost me. Mm. And it just was this moment where I was begging for his attention and he never, it never affected him the way that it affected me. Right. And there was a point where I said, I have to focus on me. Mm-hmm. Like, there was nothing that I was going to get there. Right. That is going to make me feel better. And do I really want this? Like, do I want to be in pain all the time? No. Thinking about this person instead of myself and Heck no. what I'm doing in life? <laughs> And so eventually, with starting to pursue a new career and saying yes to everything that I was like, yes, I want to be doing this, I ended up working with the guy who is now my boyfriend of two and eight months. How'd you meet? I met him at a show that I was trying to meet the company of, Mm -hmm. and he actually happened to interview me and thought that they should not hire me. He was totally (laughs) against it. He hated you at first. Well, I wouldn't say hate, but he just wasn't a fan of me being <laughs> And part of it was probably because he had he like thought I was attractive, but he ended up training me on some equipment at the beginning, and I remember the first times that our legs touched. Mm. And, you know, the pandemic fell actually like right after he had started training me, and so I didn't see him for a while. And then we ended up starting a pandemic live stream together. You did. And started seeing each other every day. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he started from not being a fan of me to impressed with how hard that I worked and how I was unfazed by the amount of work that was being asked of me. Mm-hmm. And eventually, you know, one thing leads to another, and suddenly we were on our first date driving up 
driving up the coast. Your first week-long date. First week-long <laughs> date. I mean, you know, those are the best dates are the ones that last multiple days. <laughs> I went from someone who was totally unwilling to, mm-hmm. for the most part, give me the time of day. Pining after someone who didn't want you. To someone lo- who showers me with love every day. And you live together. You have a dog together. Yeah. Life has improved. Life has improved. And all of that is just by taking action on the things that I thought that I could never do. Mm-hmm. By telling myself that, in fact, I could do those things. And that the universe was going to help you every step of the way. It's truly lucky girl syndrome. But you know what else is really interesting, Joe? What? As someone who does have a little bit of background in neuroscience. Okay. I'm very interested in the phases of the brain. Yes. And so I've experienced what it's like to manifest and use affirmations, but then I've also experienced how to take those things and heighten them. Okay. Right? And so our brain enters what are called theta waves, a theta state. Okay. In moments of deep meditation, right? Okay. Of deep rest. And when we wake up, for 10 minutes, we're still in that state of consciousness. So it's a good thing. It's a good thing. Okay. And there's been a lot of research into saying those affirmations, you know, reading a script, watching a movie that you put together for yourself in that theta state. And since I have been saying those things in that state, in those first 10 minutes that you wake up, I have experienced things that kind of seem like miracles. Okay. You must think that we are people who are... Witchy woo-woo. Witchy woo-woo and feel (laughs) figured out. Like we've got this hack to life and that we want to share it with you. Mm -hmm. We're not that way. Like we are still experiencing the cyclical ups and downs and roller coasters that life provides. We've had some beautiful luck in our partnerships and our jobs that make us believe that all of it's worth it. Mm -hmm. And Um, we've also still experienced those setbacks even though we practice these things. Because yeah. like you said, it's all a cycle. Mm-hmm. We go to the next phase, to the next phase, to the next phase, back to that first phase. And it's like we're continuously, as the secret says, getting ready to be ready to be ready. Mm-hmm. I think what is important for me to acknowledge is that what I feel that all of this is giving me is just a, a sense of a more beautiful experience mm-hmm. as a human in this life. We're never going to have it all figure it out. No. We're never going to have it all under wraps. No, but it's in that that creates the beauty in life. Mm-hmm. Beauty in the process. Yeah. And so by expanding my capability to understand when I can put a boundary there. Mm-hmm. And that's like part of affirmations is like, yes, I can do it. Yes, I deserve to be able to not value myself at body level. And I deserve to be able to say no to things. And I deserve mm-hmm. to be able to... Choose the life that I want because because I want it is the reason that life exists for me. That's why we're full of it. That's why we're full of it. <laughs> and so I just want to hopefully inspire that... You can take that next action. You, you can, can take do that, that next, next best thing. Yeah. yeah. The only thing, or I think the biggest thing that we have to say about lucky girl syndrome mm-hmm. is if you are inspired in your action to... Put your affirmations into work. The world is yours. So, 
I think that summarizes basically everything that we have to say about Lucky Girl Syndrome. Thank you for tuning into episode two of The Full of It with Sarah and Joe, and we'll see you next episode. Hope you're full of it too. Love you guys. See you later. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and comment. We'll see you <laughs> next month on the next Full of It episode. Bye. <laughs>